You're listening to After All Things, WSHU's daily news and culture update from the Long Island Sound region. Why are Connecticut drivers so angry? New legislation could connect thousands of Long Island homes to the internet. New York 3's special election replacing George Santos is tomorrow. And the saga surrounding Costa Diamantis continues. Those stories and more are coming up. I'm Sabrina Garon. data from the federal government reveals a high percentage of Connecticut's fatal car accidents are due to road rage. WSHU's Molly Ingram reports. Connecticut ranks sixth in the U.S. for road rage-related deaths. Between 2010 and 2021, there were more than 3,000 fatal crashes in Connecticut. About 6.6% of them involved aggressive driving or road rage. The highest number of road rage fatalities was 42 in 2017. Between 2010 and 2021, New York saw more than 12,200 fatal crashes. About 1.6% involved road rage, ranking New York at 15th. The highest ranking state was Indiana at 14%. Molly Ingram, WSHU News. U.S. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand from New York has introduced legislation that would extend the endangered affordable connectivity program. WSHU's Ada Uzenlar has more. The program currently provides subsidized internet to millions of households across the country. In New York, households that qualify receive a monthly discount of up to $30 off the cost of internet service. In qualifying rural communities and tribal lands, the discount goes up to $75 off every month. But the Federal Communications Commission has warned the program is expected to run out of funding by April. In response, Gillibrand introduced a bill to replenish funding. Under her plan, $7 billion would be provided to the program to ensure its continuation. Gillibrand says that means almost 2 million New York families could keep their internet, in addition to more than 20 million other families across the country. Ada Uzenlar, WSHU News. Connecticut Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro wants low- and moderate-income residents to take advantage of a federally subsidized tax preparation service this tax season. That means that it's also refund season for Connecticut families. They rely on their tax refund in order to make ends meet. Uh, And that's the issue of the day. People are living paycheck to paycheck. DeLauro says free tax assistance helped prepare more than 4,000 returns for New Haven area residents last year. They saved over a million dollars in tax prep costs and got a total of $4.5 million in refunds. There could be more trouble for Costa Diamantis after a recent audit of the Connecticut Department of Social Services. More on that is coming up in just a bit. First, a message from our supporter. Local support comes from Hartford HealthCare, the only health system in the Northeast, with all its hospitals receiving A grades for safety from the LeapFrog Group the nation's leading independent safety watchdog group, hartfordhealthcare.org.
Connecticut's Planning and Development Committee approved the drafting of a bill that would provide incentives to towns to build more housing. State Representative Eleni Kavros de Graw is the Democratic co-chair of the committee. She says the goal is to tackle the housing crisis, not to override local zoning. It does not just represent affordable housing. It represents senior housing. It represents housing for workforce development. So I think that when we get the draft out, I hope that you will come to me with feedback because that's what I'm really, truly looking for in this process. Some Republican members of the committee voted against the move, saying it puts local control of zoning in jeopardy. Connecticut should expect up to a foot of snow in some parts of the state tonight into tomorrow. And a coastal flood warning is in effect for Fairfield County. Between one and three inches of snow are expected on Long Island, and our region can also expect colder temperatures throughout the rest of the week. New Yorkers in the state's 3rd District will head to the polls tomorrow for a special election. It's a tight race between Democrat Tom Swasey and Republican Mozzie Pillip. The U.S. House of Representatives voted last year to expel Republican Congressman George Santos, leaving open a swing district covering parts of Nassau County and a small section of Queens. The polls are open tomorrow from 6 o'clock in the morning to 9 o'clock at night. You can check out our website, WSHU.org, for local polling sites and more information on the candidates. Nearly 700 healthcare workers from two Long Island medical centers plan to strike later this month if they can't reach an agreement with Northwell Health on new contracts. Employees from Peconic Bay Medical Center and LIJ Valley Stream want increased salaries and a safer patient-to-nurse ratio. Their union says Peconic Bay employees are the lowest paid in the Northwell Health system. Northwell told WSHU they're optimistic a fair contract will be reached before then. An investigation into former Deputy State Budget Director Costa Diamantis continues, but this time it's into a check he delivered to the Department of Social Services back in 2020. WSHU's Ebong Udama spoke with the Connecticut Mirror's Andrew Brown to discuss his article written along with Dave Altamari. It's called An Open DSS Audit Was Nixed and a Grand Jury Is Investigating, and the conversation is part of the collaborative podcast Long Story Short. What has social services got to do with Diamantis, who was in the Office of Policy and Management? So my colleague and I, Dave Altamari, started looking into this, and what we realized is that the State Department of Social Services has received several subpoenas from federal authorities, and they are looking at, in essence, one day in May 2020, when Costa Diamantes, the former state deputy budget director, helped to deliver a check to the state's Medicaid office, particularly the office that performs audits on doctors and dentists and eye doctors who use the state's Medicaid program. How unusual is is this for a state official to be delivering a $600,000 check from a private individual to another department? I mean, it's clear that the federal um, prosecutors are trying to answer that question. In in my time uh, and my colleague Dave's time reporting on state government, it's eye-popping, right? You have uh, someone hand-delivering a check when these are very official procedures, these, these Medicaid provider audits. And so there's a very formalized process for how to pay back 
essentially Medicaid funds that you overbilled for, you know, you can do that through an attorney, you can do that through a certified check sent in the mail. Instead, there was a delivery process in which a former deputy budget director and now former state lawmaker were hand delivering this, which I think is what raised the eyebrows of and what and what is the relationship between uh, Diamantis, the former state official, and the former state legislator who accompanied him? Our understanding from what my colleague was told is that Costa Diamantis and Chris Ziogas are distant cousins or distant relations in some manner. Both of them are from Bristol. Costa previously represented Bristol while he was in the legislature. And Ziogas later represented Bristol as well. That's correct. In this story, you really have three people from Bristol. You have Costa Diamantis, the state deputy budget director. You have Chris Ziogas, former state lawmaker, who was representing Bristol at the time. And then you have Ziogas's fiance, Helen Zervis, who is an eye doctor in Bristol, who was notified about an upcoming audit of her essentially Medicaid billing procedures. And, and basically what happens, she's notified of the audit. She says she's gotten an outside firm to look over her paperwork and figured out that she took a $600,000, right, that she hadn't actually performed any work for right? Yes. She hired a pretty high-powered law firm to represent her whenever she was notified about the upcoming audit. They said that they looked into her Medicaid billing practices, and they found five different procedure codes. So, you know, that's a, a retinal exam or whatever that are coded. And they say that she essentially billed $600,000 $600,000 more than she should have for procedures that she never even performed. And then they they essentially negotiated with state Medicaid audit division to voluntarily repay that $600,000 with the agreement that once the money was paid, the state would not come in themselves and audit their books themselves. And then she decides, look, I'm going to pay this money back. But it's now delivered by Diamantis, a state employee, and Zirgus, a state legislator. Yeah, from what they told my colleague Dave Altamari, Diamantis said that he was just doing a favor for a friend. Um, it was during the pandemic. He didn't want they didn't want the check to get lost in the mail or delayed in the mail. There is a reason I think that federal prosecutors immediately latched onto this and have spent, from what we can tell from the subpoenas, like a year and a half looking into this, questioning people. They're now at the process, as, as of last October, they they subpoenaed all of the emails that Chris Ziogas sent out of his legislative email account. I think they are suspicious, or they are investigating at least. It's, it's pretty clear to say whether or not there was a pressure campaign to make the state Medicaid audit division accept this agreement or to drop the audit. That is at least at the very center of all of this. So the, the fact that the state dropped the audit after getting this check is also questionable. There is a procedure in the state of Connecticut for doctors, dentists, anybody who is billing Medicaid to essentially self-identify overpayments that they received out of that government health insurance program. What that procedure says is that if you are already under audit or investigation for something, you don't have the ability in most cases to then come in and self-identify a problem in your billing procedure. And so what happened here is it's very clear on the timeline from the letter that the lawyer sent that they were notified about the upcoming audit in January. They began negotiating with 
the state audit division at the Department of Social Services in March. And by May, they had reached this agreement where Diamantis and Ziogas were delivering a check with the understanding that the audit would disappear. And another interesting fact that came out in your reporting is the fact that Ziogas represented Diamantis in the initial state investigation into the school construction scandal. And uh, he represented him as his attorney. And actually, his daughter. It seems the whole family, <laughs> including the extended family, is involved in this. It's been a long time since the investigation was started. Is it unusual for it to be so long? Sometimes these things take time, and the feds like to make sure that they bulletproof cases before they file charges. So I don't think this is totally out of the ordinary. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. Andrew Brown is the Connecticut Mirror's investigative reporter. I'm Ebon Udama. For the latest news from Long Island and Connecticut, you can listen on the radio or stream anytime with the WSHU app or on our website, WSHU.org. After All Things is supported by Hartford HealthCare. And WSHU is here because of the contributions from our many listeners. So we thank you and appreciate the faith you put into WSHU for news, classical music, and of course, podcasts. I'm Sabrina Garone. Enjoy the rest of your evening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.